Okay. Recording in progress. Okay, tonight's topic is an introduction to Basar Bukhalov, as was mentioned. Um, and I'll just start off with a following thought, and that is, you may know that the classic requirement to earn smicha was uh, a person was tested on the halachas of Basar Bukhalov and Tarufas. And Rabbi Heinemann explained that the reason for that is as follows. If you want to know uh, many other halachas, I'll pick an example. If you want to know what, the, what bracha do you recite before you eat a banana, well, there's a machlekas about what the right bracha is, and you open up the Shulchan Aruch to the right page, and you can find out what the answer is, and you'll know this is the bracha you recite when you eat a banana. But what happens if I stick a milchuk knife into a potato that's cooking in a fleshing oven? What do I do now? Where do I find that halacha? There is no page where it has halachas of potatoes in the fleshing oven. So a person needs to put together a lot of pieces of information in order to come to the right answer to that. Um, this shows a certain amount of skill and intellect in order to be able to answer those questions, and that's what the test was to see if the person deserved to be a rabbi. So, uh, as you start off in learning halachas of Basar Bukhalov, you're going to be learning all different types of concepts, and they all come together when questions come up and when you have to understand how to deal with an issue. They're not as straightforward. It's not this, yes, this, no. There's a lot of pieces that have to come together, and my job tonight is to try to introduce those ideas to you, um, I'm not here to tell you the answers. I'm here just to give you an idea of questions that come up, uh, introduce you to some concepts, and leave you open to that when you actually learn through these halachas, when you start get into more depth about what they're about, you yourself will know better and be able to know how to answer these questions or deal with other issues that come up. So I'm going to talk about five different groups of items, uh, three at least, and if we have time, I'll do the other two as well. Excuse me, and the first is about separating. And that is, of course, we all know, a person, you cannot eat uh, milk and meat together. Um, and in fact, you have to wait, um, <clears throat> after you eat meat, you need to wait six hours before you eat milk. Now, when you learn more about this, you're going to find out that the Gemara does not say you have to wait six hours. That's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says you have to eat, you can't eat dairy until the next meal. Hmm, what does that mean? You have to wait till the next meal. Some people say you have to wait six hours because that's give or take the amount of time between one meal and the next. Other people say, no, you just have to finish the meal. Just bench and you finish the meal. Once you finish the meal, we'll go to the next meal. We could eat dairy afterwards. Okay, well, what's the halacha about that case? Um, how much of what we do is actually required by halacha? How much is a minug and how much is a chumrah? Why does that make a difference? It makes a big difference, because what happens if you have a child um, who very much needs to eat dairy right after he ate meat, or someone who's ill who needs to eat dairy after he ate milk? Well, I'm sorry, after he ate meat. Then understanding how important it is that we actually wait six hours plays a big role in that kind of a question. So, as you learn the dinim, you'll find out exactly why do we wait six hours, and which way do we hold, and how much are we just actually required, and how much do we are we just being machmir on choosing that din, and then be able to answer those kind of questions. Now, um, if I ate uh, a part of a food that was made in a fleshic pot, okay, I cooked up some spaghetti in, in a fleshic pot, I don't have to wait six hours. I, that doesn't make me fleshigs, so does what we call make me fleshigs. I don't become fleshigs. I don't have to wait six hours. Okay, that's fine if I just cooked up spaghetti in the pot. But what happens in some other cases? What happens if I made a chalant, and the chalant was fleshigs? It was meat in the chalant. But I just ate a potato from the chant. I didn't eat any of the meat that's in there. 
Or what happens similar, a little different. I, I went to a restaurant where, and I got French fries. And the restaurant uses that same fryer to make meat and chicken in it as well. Do I have to wait six hours now? Yes. Okay. Um, what happens if instead of eating just the potato or the French fries, I cut an uh, onion with a, with a dairy knife? I'm sorry. I cut an onion uh, with, a, with a meat knife. Do I have to wait six hours now? Well, in all those cases, what the person did was he ate something that was inherently parav. He ate something that didn't have meat or milk in it at all. But um, it had some kind of a contact with meat, some kind of a connection to what happened with the meat. So does he have to wait six hours? You don't have to wait six hours. I, I could tell you the answer to those questions. But you'll be better off learning it yourself. And you'll know yourself now, when do I have to wait six hours? And in which of those cases do I not have to wait six hours? Now, everything I told you till now was about waiting after you eat meat before you eat, um, after you eat meat before you eat milk. What about the other way around? What happens if I ate milk? What do I have to do now if I want to eat meat afterwards? So you don't have to wait six hours. Um, but there are some other requirements. Um, and those, the, the, the ba basis of those requirements is I need to eat something parav, I need to drink something that's parav, and then wash or check my hands to make sure there's nothing dairy left on them. Okay, but there's an exception to that rule. And that is, if I eat something called hard cheese, then I have to wait six hours before I eat meat. Okay, well, what's that? What's hard cheese? I mean, uh, is mozzarella cheese, is that hard? No, that doesn't sound like that. We, we, we know that that's not. Well, what is hard cheese? Um, well, that's a question. You have to figure out what is hard cheese that I have to now wait six hours after it. Well, one common example that is, is considered hard is Parmesan cheese. Okay, so if I eat, if I take a bite of Parmesan cheese, I can't eat meat for six hours. Okay, but what happens if I didn't? What happens what if I didn't just eat, I didn't eat um, Parmesan cheese by itself? I made um, eggplant parmesan, so I melted the parmesan cheese into my food. Or what happens if I, I didn't melt it, but I sprinkled, I made a Caesar salad, and it has parmesan cheese mixed into it. Do I have to wait six hours for that also? Or I, I saw it myself. I walked into a pizza shop, and they had little shakers on every table of parmesan cheese. So that means if the people shake a little parmesan onto their pizza, do they have to wait six hours now before they eat meat? Um, no, there's very diff there are different opinions about those questions. Um, Something that applies to people, you know, somewhat, I don't know, all the time, but it comes up here and there for people. Um, okay, there's another, another group of halachas that comes up. People may not be as familiar with that. It has to do also with separating between milk and meat. And that is that if there are two people who are good friends or close relatives, um, then they can't eat on the same table, one eating meat and one eating milk. And the reason is because uh, people who, you know, friends or get along with each other very well are likely to eat something from the other person's plate. So if I'm eating meat and you're eating milk, then I might reach over and take something out of your, out of your uh, plate and eat something that I wasn't supposed to be eating. Um, so they, the, the Chazal said a person should not eat, two people shouldn't be eating together one meat and one milk if they're friends or really close with each other, unless there's some kind of a mark or some kind of a hecker on the table to remind them not to share food. So whereas you could eat in a, I don't know, with someone who you don't know at all, that would be fine. You could actually even eat with someone who's eating not kosher. Uh, but if you're eating milk that's kosher and they're eating flesh that's kosher, and someone who you're friends with, then you would not be allowed to do that. And one last thing about separating has to do with like this. Um, there's an isser to make bread that's either milk or flesh And the, that, 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 the reason for that is because... Um, 
bread is usually parav. People expect bread to be parav. So if bread would be, let's say, milk eggs, somebody might put, a, uh, I don't know, might put a meat, make a meat sandwich out of it. Well, the other way around, if it was flesh eggs, somebody might put some cream cheese onto it. So Chazal said, not only can you eat it with the other type, you can't eat the, you know, the milk bread with flesh eggs, you can't even eat it at all. It's totally um, not kosher. You're not allowed to have it at all. Okay, that's the basic halacha. You're not allowed to make bread that's milk eggs or bread that's flesh eggs. Okay, well, what happens if it's not exactly bread? What happens if it's cake or croissants or danishes? Are those allowed to be milk eggs or flesh eggs? How about corn dogs? Um, that's what corn dogs are. They're sort of bread with uh, a hot dog inside of it. How about bread that's DE? It's made on dairy equipment. Is that okay? Mr. Um, Shem, <clears throat> as you learn through the course, I, I believe I actually saw some of these questions in your outline of what's going to be covered. These are all types of things that have that you you will learn about. Mr. Shem, you're going to be learning about this whole topic of separating between milk and meat. It's not just that we don't eat milk and meat together, but it comes with many details that go along with that. Um, and as I mentioned in the past couple of minutes, okay, have any questions before I move on to the next point? Um, we had one question that came up in the chat. Does hard cheese also apply to spartan? Okay. It's a good question. Um, stumped. I'm, I'm Ashkenazi. I would go look it up. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember offhand. Um, I tell you to ask a rabbi, you could call me back tomorrow and I can go look it up. I don't remember offhand. Um, definitely for Ashkenazim. That's where I am. Um, that's how I think of life, um, but I don't remember of him. Sorry about that. Okay, any other questions? Okay, I'll keep on moving. Okay, um, I'm going to mention now a whole group of scenarios of things that questions that come up about milk and meat together. Um, I'm going to, in all these questions, I'm not going to give answers. Okay, I'm just going to mention questions. And, and the idea of the idea is um, just to, to to realize the broadness of what we're gonna, you will be covering when you learn Basel Um Let's go to the beginnings. Um, I found the milchig fork in the Fleischig dishwasher. Okay, can I use that fork? Do I have to kosher it? Well, and what about the rest of the dishwasher? The whole kind, all the Fleischig stuff that was in the dishwasher. What do I do with all that stuff? Okay, what happened? I found this dish in the wrong side. That's one type of question. Well, okay, how about like this? Can I eat a corned beef sandwich on a milchig table? Is it worse if it would be a hot pizza on a flasher table. Was that worse? Was that okay or was that not okay? Can I use the same oven or the sink or stovetop or a microwave for milk eggs and for flasher Okay, if you tell me I can't do that, well, what do I do if I only have one oven in my house? There's only one stovetop. What do I do now? If, I can, if you tell me I can't eat them, I can't use the same one for milk eggs and flasher what do I do now? What, what am I supposed to do if I only have one of them? Um... How about if I bake challah in my flesh oven? Is it okay to put cream cheese onto that? What about the other way around? One of them is I buy crackers that are say that they're DE. Can I eat those with meat? And last is I cut something with a flesh knife. I cut, I'm sorry, I cut an onion with a flesh knife. Can I put that into a pot of soup that I make in a dairy pot? Or how about can I put it into an omelet with cheese? Okay, so I just gave you this is I don't know, five, ten uh, scenarios of issues that come up, Basabahal type questions that come up. And um, those are all questions you're going to learn about. And in my next section, uh, we're going to talk about six different concepts of, that have to do with Basa B'chalav. And the truth is that those concepts will answer the questions that I just gave you. I'm going to give you just an overview, just an introduction to those concepts. Uh, but those concepts that are going to be there are, going to, are the, the 
the clues or the tools to which you can answer those questions that I had. Okay, any questions on that? Okay, everyone's being really quiet. Okay, I'll keep on going. Okay, so I'm going to mention these six concepts. Um, some of them you'll be familiar with. Some of them are probably will be brand new to some of you, uh, to most of you. Um, again, and, and each one of them, I'm just going to give you just a, some basics and leave you for your, the actual learning um, to know more about it. Okay, so we all, the first one, we all know you can't eat milk and meat. You can't put butter onto your turkey, okay? Butter is milk, turkey is slashings, you can't do those together, no problem. Okay, but there's another, there's a rule that's called tam ki'ikar. Tam ki'ikar means, is, tam means taste, is ki'ikar, it's as if the food itself. That means is the taste of a food has the same status as the food itself. Just like I can't put butter onto my turkey, excuse me, I also can't cook my turkey in a milked pot. If I use the pot to cook up hot milk in it, and I clean out all the milk out of the pot, that pot, we would we say the pot is now milchigs, meaning it has tam of milk inside, absorbed into the pot, and I can't put my meat product into that pot. Um, if I do, um, if, if I did do that, then the milk and the meat would mix together, and it would make them trafe. It would make them trafe, it would make the pot trafe, everybody would be trafe over here. Okay, and that's why we all have in our homes, we have separate milk inflation dishes, because the reason is that is because of this rule called tam ki'ikar. The taste of the food that I cooked in there, the, the milk that I cooked in there leaves a taste inside the pot. And therefore, even though there's none of the milk is left, the tam of that milk can come into the next food. Now, <clears throat> tam ki'ikar isn't just inside of a pot or a piece of silverware. Um, it also applies to the foods themselves also, which means is that if I have a plate and on that plate I have a piece of meat and some rice next to it and the meat touches the rice, the rice is now fleshings. That rice um, cannot be eaten with milk. Whether we'll have to wait six hours, that's not for now. But that the, the time of the meat spreads into the rice also, even not just through a pot, even the meat itself, it could uh, spread into, a, into the rice, and now the rice is now fleshings. Okay, that was my first. Okay, please interrupt me if you want to. Okay. Can we find that rice if, uh, again? Sure. You know, with the rice. Sure. I had on a plate a piece of meat and rice that was right alongside it. So if the meat rices, if the meat touches the rice, the rice is now fleshings. That means that I can't put, I can't eat that rice with cheese because the, the time of the meat, the taste from the meat spreads into the rice and therefore the rice is considered fleshings. Um, well, again, I'm not talking about whether you have to wait six hours or not, but the time of that meat spreads into the rice and that has the status as if the rice is now meat fleshings and I cannot put cheese onto it. Okay, that's called tam ke'ikr. The tam, the taste of something is ke'ikr. It's like the food itself. It's as if there's meat mixed into that rice. Was that clear enough? Thank you. Thank sure, you. no problem. Okay, number two. As a rule, tam transfers when there's heat. Heat in this context means over 120 degrees. We call it yatsalat display. And for this context, that means it's over 120 degrees. Now, there is a way for tam to transfer Without heat, it's called coverage, but I think soaking in a container for a long time, but put that on the side. As a rule, time only transfers when there's heat, when it's over 120 degrees. Now, there's a subtlety to that din, which is, it doesn't only depend on whether it's hot or not hot. What it <clears throat> also is that the, the primary way that time transfers is only in a clearition. 
Kliyusha means is the primary pot, the pot that the cooking happened on, that cooking happened on, or the food was heated up on. So if I heat up something on, on the stovetop, the pot, that pot is now the Kliyusha. Even if I take it off the fire, it stays the clear. It's the pot in which the original cooking was done. You may be familiar with that term from Shabbos. That's when the real amount of time transfers. What happens if it gets out of that pot and moves into a second pot, what we call a klisheni? Let's say you take it, you take soup from the bowl, from the soup pot and you put it into your bowl. So the bowl is a klisheni. Well, in a klisheni, Tom doesn't transfer the same way. I didn't say it doesn't transfer. It doesn't transfer the same way as in a klisheni. Exactly how much does or doesn't transfer is very fine details. You'll have to wait till you learn about that. Um, but the, the primary way that time transfers is only in a klisheni, only in the Main, the, the place where the food was heated or cooked in, that's where time transfers. Once you leave the Klerishan, life becomes simpler. Things are not as complicated, not as easy for time to transfer as they would be in the Klerishan. Okay, number three. So far, these last two I talked to you about was time, taste transferring, um, because there's some kind of a contact between the food and a utensil or something like that. But the truth is, time can also transfer through vapor also. It's called zea. Okay. The Shulchan Aruch, one of the cases the Shulchan Aruch gives up for that is, is that if a person is um, drawing his salami on top of a stovetop, then, uh, and on that stovetop he's cooking milk, so the, the vapors from that milk rise up and hit, hit the salami, the salami is now treif. Okay, The milk from the salami never touched the salami. They never, they're, they're a foot apart from each other. But, excuse me, the vapor is going up from that salami that hit the, from the milk, that hit the salami, make the salami trade. It's now milk and meat mixed together. Um, now, I suspect most uh, people who run a kosher home w- would never think of putting a salami on top of a pot of milk. Most people wouldn't do that. But the, this halacha does come up when, let's say, a person wants a spice of chant. Chant's ready on the fire and it's cooking away, and I pour, use the spices right above it. Well, the flesh is... Zaya, the vapors coming up from that fleshic pot are going to hit my spices. Or what happens? I'm making a milchic soup and I'm pouring some oil into the soup. Well, when I pour the oil, if I pour the oil from a container, vapors come up from that milchic soup can make the rest of the oil in the, in the bottle to be milchics. When that happens, when it doesn't, like you guessed, you're going to learn about that. Um, but that's a way for time transferring, even though the things never touched. There was no direct contact between the time and a pot or the, or the time and one food and the next food. Even so, time can transfer through the vapors also. Okay. Now, so far I told you, um, I don't know you call them, three humras, three strict things, a way times transfer that make things trade. Now for some, some good news. Uh, or some coolers. Okay? Two, two coolers coming out. Number four and five. Number four is like this. Tom can, I told you time can transfer if you have two foods touch each other, foods in a pot, even vapors coming out of a food can make can transfer time from one place to the other place. But there's a rule, I'll say it in Hebrew first, Okay, all that means is, is that if you have if you have time only absorbed into a food, it's not the actual meat itself. Let's say we have a fleshic pot, then the time cannot transfer from it's only absorbed into the pot. The pot is not actually a piece of meat. It doesn't transfer to something else unless there's some liquid between them. Okay, I'll say that again. I, I have a pot that was fleshics. I cooked uh, some meat in, in this pot. I cooked chicken soup in this pot. Okay, the, the pot is now fleshics. I clean it out so there's no meat here. There's just a pot that has absorbed time of fleshics in it. If that pot 
uh, touches a milk, let's say a milk, it's hot and touches a milk spoon, the blua, the, the absorbed tam, does not transfer into another kli unless there's some liquid in between them to help the transit go on. Okay, this was relevant to the questions about stovetops. You'll when you get to that detail about whether you can use your stovetop or not. Is there liquid or is there not liquid in between them? Um, I'm just giving you just the, the basics on that on that one. This rule that tom can't tr- it can transfer if food touches pots and can pot, and, and even from pot to pot if there's a liquid. But if there's no liquid in between, tom won't transfer. Okay, my fifth rule, fifth concept. And that was like this, another cooler. And this one, um, also, you, you may not have heard of. And that's a rule, it's a special rule that's just for Basa Bechal, just for, basically, it's just for milk and meat. And that is, it's called not bar not. Okay, what does that mean? It, the real term means noisentam bar noisentam, which means that if we have tam that transfers a kosher tam, I mean, let's say kosher meat, it transfers enough times, it gets weakened to the point that it doesn't, um, it can't become basar anymore. It can't become milk and meat anymore. Okay, well, what, let me give you the Gemara's example, help you understand what I'm saying. The Gemara's example is, if I have a plate that was used for hot meat, well, it's a fleshy plate now. Now I put a piece of hot fish onto that plate. So the, the time from the meat went into the plate. Good. Now from the plate into the fish. Okay, well, the Gemara says is you could put cheese onto that fish. That fish, it, the time transferred so many times, it transferred once into the plate and then from the plate into the fish, that it, it transferred so many times that you're okay and you could use that plate, you could use that fish with cheese. Um, it had transferred so many times that that makes it okay. Now, there's a lot of detail. I just gave you the very basics about that. And, and as I would tell people, as I do not try this at home, okay? Until you learned all the dinim, don't go ahead and say, hey, David said, that you could do all these things. No, no, no. Get, you know, you have to know more what you're talking about, and maybe it's only the evidence, etc. But there's such a concept, and it's very specific. It's only for kosher. What I mean is, if I put something tray onto my plate, it keeps on transferring on on a dozen times. It makes no difference. But when it's a kosher item, it's a, let's say it's flashings, and it has to then milk mix with milk to become treif, then we have this rule of not by not. Um, Okay, so that, that's another rule which plays a role in these kind of things, which is that when, when we're dealing with treif, time can transfer many times and still be a problem. But when we're dealing with milk or meat, just milk eggs or flesh eggs, then at a certain point, the, the milk or the meat, so to speak, expires. It's just weakened. It's such a point that it, doesn't, it can't make some treif anymore. Okay, any questions so far? I have one more to go on here. Okay, last but not least. All right, I have one question. Go ahead. When it comes to not bar not, is it going to be a set amount of times? Like it's going to be like once it traveled this many times, it's yes. no longer a problem? Or is it going to be the type of things? Like if it went from like a clear region to like, okay. what's going so to I'll, be? I'll, I'll give you a little detail. I, I, you're really going to have to wait till you learn it, but I'll give you a little detail. And that is, it's called not bar not because it transferred two times. It was nice and time. Bar means like the son of a nice and time. So it transferred yeah. once from the meat into the plate. That's one not. We call it in the way we would call it, we'd say it was one knot, one is seen as time, and then it transferred from the meat into the fish, that's two knots. At that point, the fish is, doesn't have the status of being flashing. It, it's flashing, but you can't, you can't, you can add cheese to it at this point. Right? Mm-hmm. Says you can eat it with cheese. Um, so that's two knots, and one knot is into a plate, and into a clay, and one is into a food. That's another condition as well. Okay? Mm-hmm. Two, okay. The two knots are like that, has how they break up like that. Okay? 
But there's plenty more detail. You, you, just, you just heard just a drop of not. I just want to introduce you. You see, here's such an idea. Most people who, who haven't learned Basel B'chol have never heard of this rule called not bar not. It's, again, and it's special for kosher. But I mean, it doesn't work if something is treif. It's only from kosher that has to become treif, not something that starts off treif. Okay? And our last, our number six, our last thing is um, <coughs> the things that I told you beforehand, especially the kulas, the lenient parts of that I told you, those things are all very different when we deal with a food that's harif, that's sharp or sour, has a very strong taste to it. For those, a lot of the kulas all of a sudden fall by the wayside. I told you not bar not, those rules change if it's a double harf. Uh, a, a cliche ni, Tom doesn't translate so well, no, not the same if it's a double harf. So a lot of things change if it's a double harf. What's an example of a harf? Onion, garlic, lemons, whiskey. Um, those are all things that have a sharp or a very strong or sour taste to them. And those are their harif. And as soon as those things come into the picture, everything gets changed. So if um, if if I find out that what what I did in my flesh eggs or milk eggs was I had uh, cut lemons or I excuse me I, I fried onions, all of a sudden the question becomes very different uh, and it's a whole new dimension to to a lot of the, a lot of the things that might have been okay if it was just potatoes are, are different all of a sudden when it was garlic instead of being potatoes. Okay, I'm going to move on to my next, but please ask me questions if you have at this point before I move on to my next section. Okay. I have a question. Go. I posted, I don't know if anyone saw it, but I know that in many cases it can make a difference if it's been, something's been used within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So is that like a case-by-case -case thing or is there a general rule That's cool. that we can be aware of? I'm about to talk about that. Perfect. Perfect. You, you must see what's Thank on you. my paper coming next. Okay, it's coming next. Okay, so the concepts I told you until now, those are general concepts for um, that are special, that are, have to do with Basa B'cholov, and that are some of them are even special with Basa B'cholov. So now I'm going to mention two co concepts that are only for cases of B'dyevet. Only if something happened by mistake, then these are going to apply. These are not concepts that we ever do as a choice, L'Chadchila. Uh, I mentioned you before about not Barnat. Certain things of not Barnat are Mutter, even L'Chadchila, you can do that. Not all, but some things are Mutter, even L'Chadchila. But the two things I'm going to mention now are only B'dyevet. Okay, and the, know, the first one is something called bitul b'shishim. That is, that is very, if there's very little milchigs, fleishigs, or for that matter, treif either, and it's so little that, um, that it's there's sixty times as much kosher as there is non-kosher, or there's sixty times as much parav as there is fleishigs, then it's bottle, it's nullified, it doesn't count, and the whole mixture is permitted. Okay, I remember once we had a situation. Um, uh, it's actually a neighbor who came over and said they were making they were making um, chicken soup, and this neighbor also made their own um, gefilte fish. They round make the gefilte fish into little balls, and then they would cook them. And instead of putting the gefilte the fish into the fish pot, she put them into her uh, soup pot, okay, into her chicken soup, okay. So here she had fish cooking with her milk, with her with her meat. That's not what we're doing now, but you now have milk, fish, and meat together either. And the question was, is it butter? Was it not butter? If there would be little enough, it wouldn't make a difference. A drop of milk spritzes into your chalant. If there's so little in it, you're not allowed to put it in on purpose. But if it happened, it, it could be mutter because it's bata b'shishim. There's so little that it doesn't count anymore. And it doesn't give any taste and it doesn't count. Okay, that's one rule called bitta b'shishim. Okay, there's another rule. And that's called what the person mentioned who asked beforehand, which was eina ben yomri. And that is when we say, ben literally means is not from today. Not from this day. And it means is 
that if we have a some tam trafe or or flashigs or milchigs, any tam that was absorbed into a, into a pot or to a dish, and it sat there for twenty four hours. After twenty four hours have passed, it's not from this day; it's from a different day. That's what we say. It's ain't a binyanim. It's from twenty more than twenty four hours ago. It can't have any effect b'diavet on the food that's cooked in there. So if I had a fleshig pot and I and I cooked milchigs inside of that pot, but that the last time I cooked fleshigs was more than twenty four hours ago, then the food that I cooked in it did not does not get affected. Now the pot would get messed up because the pot just got milchigs absorbed into it. It's a fleshig pot. But the food, the milk that I cooked in there does not get affected by the oven, the food will be okay. Um, so, um, when I talked about bitter bashishim, you're not going to have bitter bashishim from the walls of a pot. Bitter bashishim is more like a little bit of food falls in, or, 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 or a knife is in the wrong place, so a knife has very little metal to it. You know, how much bleed could there be in there? Um, but, but for Aina Ben Yaima, it's very much could, could be relevant. Um, and in fact, um, in fact, in, in when you ask a question, something went wrong in my kitchen. I did the wrong thing with this or that. The other thing, one of the questions that the rabbit always wants to know is, when was the last time you used that pot? Okay, if if the flesh pot was last used two days ago, then you're okay. It won't it won't the, the food won't be effective. The pot might be, but the food wouldn't be as wouldn't be as effective. Okay, um, so now I, I I even though I just told you that there's this big leniency called ene benyomo, we have to bear in mind. That that has its own rules to it also. Like for example, I, I mentioned before about Davacharif. Well Davacharif turns Aina Banyame back into as if it is a fresh pot. It's not Aina Banyame. If you cook something kharif in it, so so if you you you've I mentioned before you fried onions in a pot in a pan, even if that pan hadn't been used for twenty four hours, it might not help it. It might be too bad on you. So excuse me. So you'd have to know, you'd say, hmm, it's it's Aina Banyame, but it was Davacharif. I'm just saying is is that these are, I'm, I'm mentioning you ideas, but there are lots of details, as I mentioned. There's another thing about Bittu Bashishib, there's something that I'm not going to talk about. It's called Hanan, stands for Hatich Nasis Nevela. Okay, that's, that affects the way you calculate whether something is Bittu Bashishim or not. Um, so I'm just, I'm just throwing it out to you that there's an idea of Eine Ben um, I'm not sure how much the course is going to cover that, um, but it's a concept that you should be aware of, which comes into play many in many situations, but as, as with everything else, it has its own... Uh, quirks and details um, that affect what the halach is. Okay, before I go to my last section, um, any questions? Yeah, there was one question that was posted in the chat. Yeah. Do, do these rules apply to cast iron, which is meant to build up the flavor based on what burns into it? Okay, it's a really good question um, because cast cast iron pots, uh, pans, are like, they'll tell you not to wash it with soap even. You want to get the taste that's in there. Um, so, it, it depends like this. If if the pan or the pot is actually cleaned out, wiped clean, there's nothing left on it, um, and all we're talking about is absorbed taste, we'll follow the din. The din says that it, if it's any binyamer, it doesn't affect it. We wouldn't be worried about it. But that's only true if you actually clean it out, that it's literally it's clean, like you touch it and you don't feel any grease or anything like that. If you really did a job to get it clean, which I don't think is the typical in a cast iron pot. If you left some, some grease on the on the, on the outside of the pit pot, then in fact you would have a concern, even if it was any binyamin. Okay, you wouldn't be able to say hey, it was twenty four hours because that that stuff that's on there, it doesn't only any binyamin only works for what's absorbed into the pot. It doesn't help for the what's on the surface of the pot. Um, so if there was actually some something left on the surface, then any binyamin wouldn't help you. Okay, anything else? Okay, 
I'm going to go to my last section, small section over here, and that is there are other halachas that are special to Basar B'chol. And that is, we all know we can't eat milk and meat together. And I just talked to you for the past half hour about all kinds of details about eating milk and meat together. Um, there's also two other halachas that apply to Basar B'chol, and that is we're not allowed to cook them together, and we're not allowed to have any benefit, any hana from Basar B'chol. So, um, Cooking together would be relevant uh, if a person worked as a chef in, in a non-kosher restaurant. Uh, they would have a question of, the, it's, uh, it's forbidden to cook them. Even if you're not going to eat them, it's also to cook basar uh, b'chal, to cook milk and meat together. Um, and, and the hana is a, is a much more common question that people have, or much issue that people have, is that you want a, a pet food, there are pet foods that have in them milk and meat together, uh, and potentially has an iser of hana. The, the pet is allowed to eat non-kosher. He's allowed to eat basar b'chal also for that matter. But I can't feed my pet pet uh, basa because then I'm having benefit from it. My pet needs to eat, and I'm feeding him um, basa b'cholov. That I'm not allowed to do that because I'm having hanor from the basa b'cholov. So within this, these rules of hanor and um, bishol, the iser to cook and the iser to have hanor, uh, here there are some details. The first is, it only applies if the meat portion is either beef or lamb or goat. Meaning it has to come from a cow, a sheep, or a goat. They don't have to have been shechted, but it only applies to those animals. It doesn't apply to poultry, like chicken or turkey, and it doesn't apply to non-kosher species, like pork. Okay, it only applies if it's beef or lamb or goat. That's the meat portion of it. Second is, it includes, most dairy products are included in this rule. So whey or milk or milk powder or casein, those are all considered milk for these purposes. But there's this particular leniency, and that is lactose, which is the sugar that comes from milk. Lactose is not included in these dinim. The reason it has to do with because lactose is only milk hooks and rabbanon. So lactose, if there's lactose in your pet food, that does not cause an issue of basabachal. It would have to be something, so to speak, more dairy, like whey or milk or casein. And the last thing is that these rules that you're not allowed to cook basabachal, and you're not allowed to have benefit from it, is only if the milk and the meat were cooked together. If they were just mixed together, that would not be a problem, okay? You could have enough from it if there was such a thing. I mean, I'm sorry, you could have enough from it it's like you feed it to your pets, and you'd be allowed, well, you wouldn't be allowed to cook it because then you'd be cooking them together. But as far as feeding it to your pet, if it was just mixed together, that would be okay. The isser is only if the basar and the chalav are actually cooked together. Um, so those are, those are special alakas for basar and the isser hanal, the isser to have benefit from it and to cook from it. Okay, so I'm done. Um, hopefully... I whet your appetites enough that you'll want to go continue on in the course and actually learn the halachas and see for real. Um, let me know if you have any questions. I'm, I'm still here. Well, we have time still. Is there any more questions? But I'm finished with what I wanted to say. Um, there's one more question that was written in the chat. Go ahead. Could you please define mamashas in regards to the transfer of Tom? Okay. So I can't. I could try. Um, we actually had a question about that. It actually had to do with cast iron pots, and we brought it to Rabbi Schwartz. Um, Rabbi Schwartz, who was, was uh, when he was alive, was the uh, best in here in the CRC. Um, and he said like this. He said, run your hand along the pot. Okay, just, you know, rub your hand on, on the on the pot. If you feel something, that's my marshal. That there's something, there's some residue left behind. If you don't feel anything left behind, then whatever is there is considered to be absorbed. So it's a matter of, you know, touching it and putting your hands across it. And what, do you feel something or do you not feel something? Um, I don't have any cast iron pots in my house. So, but my regular pot, if you walk into the kitchen, you touch the pot, you feel nothing because it's been cleaned and it's just, you just feel the metal. If you do feel something else, some grease or some residue, 
then that's considered that there's something left behind. Okay, do we have anything else? Okay, so we get out of all different class tonight. Oh, is there another I question? Have, I, I just put in the chat, okay. Um, once you go out the origin and the different applications of yuckies who only wait three hours, or just from the Netherlands who may only wait one hour, like do these also apply to things like hard cheese? And it looks like I got auto-corrected in the chat, so I apologize for words there. But okay. Okay, so the answer is, when I started, I mentioned that the Gemara says, the Gemara doesn't say you should wait six hours. The Gemara says, after you right. eat meat, eat milk at the next, don't eat milk to the next meal. There are many different interpretations of what that means. Um, and again, most people who are Ashkenazi wait six hours. Um, some people don't, some wait a little different. But what, what and, and that every person should definitely follow their minog of what their family custom is to how long they wait. You said maybe three hours or one hour. They should follow their family customs. But I, my point then was that even within the amount of time that you wait, you're going to have to find out, is that the din? Is that a requirement that I have to wait that amount of time? What is my requirement and what is my being just, is our, is our custom to do that thing? And that will make a difference when something is not so simple. Okay, we have someone who's ill and they need to take something dairy if they just ate meat, then those kind of questions come up. Otherwise, do what your minute is, you should follow. But what happens when something you have to do something different? That's when you have to know the details of the halacha in order to be able to answer that question. Thank you. Okay. Is that it? Thank, yeah, thank you so much, Rebecca. No we really, problem. really appreciate it.